going to begin tonight in Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2. And we've started on Sunday nights uh, looking at the subject of the Christian home, the family, and as part of that, we've been kind of laying a, a foundation uh, for, uh, for this before we really get into understanding all the different roles within a home and how things are supposed to work. We kind of went back. And looked at God's creation, God's design for the family. Last week we looked at biblical masculinity. What, what does God expect from men? Not necessarily just in terms of in the home, but in general, in life. What are men supposed to be like? And I told you that tonight uh, we would look at the other side of that and, and take a look at what the Bible has to say about femininity. And so before the service tonight, I went through and made sure that there were no sharp objects out there and no tomatoes or anything like that. Uh, I, will, I will tell you at the outset that there are going to be some things stated tonight that are not politically correct, that would be totally rejected by most of society. But that's okay, because our, our uh, responsibility is not to follow the culture. It's not to follow and conform to the things of this world. Uh, what God expects for us is that we would look into his word and gain an understanding of his expectations for us. And so we're going to look at what God has to say. And I'll say at the outset of all of this that God has made men and women differently for a reason. And one is not of any greater value necessarily than the other, but we do have differences in roles and differences in design. And it really wasn't that long ago before that, or since that was understood. Am I not on? I'm on here. So, um, it, it hasn't been that long since that was understood even societally. Uh, you know, there, there was a book, I remember hearing about it a lot growing up. I'm not sure when it was written, but, you know, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? The idea was, basically, men and women are different. We think differently, we act differently. But there has been a, a, a very uh, significant movement in our culture, in our society, to try and blur the lines of the differences between men and women. And as we talked about last week, there's been a concerted effort to demasculinize. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. I made it up, all right? But to, to reduce, if I can put it that way, the masculinity of men and really to feminize them. And the same is also true for women, to, to reduce their femininity and to make them more masculine. And to, to the point where, the, you know, even children are being taught in schools these days that there, there's no difference. If you, you know, maybe you feel like a boy one day, you feel like a girl one day, what does it matter? Well, the reality is that we've so blurred the lines that people might say, well, you know, I, I identify as a man or I identify as a woman, but they don't even necessarily know what that means. Because we've so mixed things up. And, and I, I say all of this not to be political, but rather to say, I, I hope we understand that this is actually uh, deception from our enemy, Satan, that would try to cause confusion in, in the lives of people. Because if you don't understand who you are, and you don't understand why you were created, you're not going to be able to, to live that out and to live out the purpose for which God created you in life. And so, as we looked last week at the creation of man and his purpose and all of that, I want to go to the creation of woman. 
And we're going to look at what God says about Eve when he created Eve. And uh, we'll be, begin reading here. You can remain seated because we're going to be kind of turning back and forth tonight. But Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, it says here, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living, thing, every living creature, that was the name thereof. And he gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now this is where we are introduced to the concept not of male and female, but of man and woman. You see, male and female already existed in the animal world, but God had created man in his image. And one thing that was different, well, there were a lot of things different about man from the animals. One was he was created in the image of God. Another was that God had breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became, the Bible says, a living soul. But another thing that was different and distinct from the animals of the earth is that all of the animals were male and female, and they had pairs, they had mates. But God looked at Adam, and he saw this lone man who had been created to accomplish God's purpose for him, that he would have dominion uh, over the earth, that he would subdue it, that he would care for the garden, all of those things. He looked at him, and for the first time in creation, he said, it is not good that man should be alone. Now, depending on how you interpret that, ladies, you might say God looked down at Adam and said, this guy can't make it on his own, and so I'm going to give him a helper. I don't know how you want to look at that, but he said it's, it's not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him and help meet for him. Now, sometimes we put those two words together, and we, we talk about a wife being a help meet, but really the words help meet, that word meet means fitting or appropriate. And so what, what God is saying is that there needs to be, there is, there is a creation yet to be made that is fitting to be a helper for the man. And so then the Bible says here in verse number uh, 21 that the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he, and here's another thing that's different from all the other creation, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Now up to this point, remember that God has created things in a couple different ways. One was simply by the word of his mouth. Uh, God said, let there be, and there was. When it came to man, the Bible says that God created him of the dust of the ground. So he took some of the earth that he had made and he formed a man. But now for the first time, God took one of his creation and made something else out of it. He took man, and he took one of his ribs, of all things, took one of his ribs, and from that rib he made 
woman. Verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam was able to say, verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So Eve was created out of Adam. And it's been pointed out before that God took the bone from Adam to make Eve, not from his foot where he could lord over her, nor from his head where she would lord over him, but from his rib, which would be symbolic of the bosom, that which is held closely to you, where his wife, this helper that was made for him, could be protected and guided and led. And folks, I want you to know that God's plan from the outset was to make woman for that purpose, to be a companion, to be a helper, in order to assist the man in accomplishing the purpose for which God had created him. God had made man with the purpose, uh, we could put it this way, Adam was created to be a man, Eve was created to be a wife. Now, I know, again, that that may be offensive to some to hear that, but this is, this is the reality. Eve was made in order to be an help meet for Adam, to assist him in the purpose for which God had created him. And I want you to know that, biblically speaking, primarily, this is not a hard and fast rule, but primarily... The purpose that God has given uh, to women in their lives is, it revolves around and centers around the home and the family. God created Adam to be a man. He created Eve to be a wife. I want to hold your place here. Well, you don't have to hold your place. We won't be back there at least for a while. But go with me to the book of Titus, if you would, over in the New Testament. And I want to show you that God's plan, again, not always, not in every case, but in most cases, God's plan and purpose is for the woman to fulfill her role within the context of a home and in a family. And so we're in Titus chapter 2, and look at verse number 3. It says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And so what he's saying here is that the, the responsibility within a church is for those uh, women who are older, who have already raised a family, have already had their, uh, their, their kids have grown, to kind of turn around and reach out to the younger ladies and help them learn how to fulfill their role within the home. To be the wife that their husband needs, to be the mother that their children need. In other words, that which God has for them primarily is in the home. They are to be keepers at home. And let's go back to the Old Testament again in the book of Proverbs and chapter 31. Proverbs 31 is that, that famous passage that deals with the virtuous woman 
And it says in Proverbs 31, verse number 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She con uh, considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yet, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. So we have this description of this virtuous woman. And a few things that you may have noticed there. This woman is not uh, lazy. <laughs> she, uh, she is not uh, uncaring. She is actually very diligent. She is a hard worker. But her purpose, again, unlike her husband... Her purpose is not to go out and to build a city or to conquer territory or, or, or anything of that nature. Her primary purpose is to labor and work in order to provide the needs and, and meet the needs of her family and within her home. So, so we have this, this picture of a, of a woman that is created for a specific purpose. And ladies, I want to tell you that, that I believe, and, and I think I can back this up biblically, God has made you different than he has made men in order that you may better fulfill and serve that purpose. In other words, I'm not totally incapable around the house. I can cook for my family when, when the need arises. I can take care of the children. Uh, I, I, can, I can do those things. But... I am not cut out for it and suited for it nearly as well as my wife is. Amen. I mean, just by, by nature, by our makeup, uh, she has certain natural abilities and talents and giftings in that area that I do not have. Uh, I remember as a child growing up, when I was sick, I didn't want my dad. I wanted mom. <laughs> Because mom and dad were different. They were different in the way that they approached the kids. You know what I mean? Now, my dad wasn't mean. If I was feeling good, I wanted to be around my dad. He was my hero. I looked up to him. But man, if I wasn't feeling good, I knew my mom would have pity on me, you know? 
And she would care for my needs. There's something different about the way the makeup of men and women. And it's not like the culture would try and tell us that's just a social construct. It's not true. I've got six boys and one girl. And the girl is number six out of the seven. Now, if you look at that, you might think, here's a little girl that's born into a family with, at that time, five brothers. Now she has six brothers and a dad and only one other lady in the house, her mom. And this is not an insult to my wife, but even my wife grew up with three brothers herself. And, you know, if we go fishing, she likes to clean the fish and do all that. I mean, she's, she's not exactly this prissy little thing that can't do anything. So you would think maybe looking at Cherith, our daughter, who was born into our family, that she would naturally be, you know, what, what's known as a tomboy, a little bit more inclined to boyish things. I'm telling you, she is not. Not at all. I mean, from the time that that little girl came forth from the womb, she was a nurturer. She loves babies. It doesn't matter if they're real or if they're dolls. She wants to care for them. She wants to nurture them. My boys, when they were little, they liked dolls too because sometimes the heads popped off and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and, and there's just a difference. That's not learned behavior. That's not taught behavior. There's a difference. And, you know, it's been noted before, uh, if you watch uh, uh, boys carrying books like in school, boys will, will carry their books under their arm like a football. And girls will carry them like this, like they're cradling a baby. I mean, it's just interesting. If you watch the, the difference between boys and girls, there is a difference. God has made us differently. And ladies, God has primarily given you a purpose that is best fulfilled within your home. Now, I understand that I am preaching tonight to some who've never been married, to some ladies who've never been married, to a number who are widowed, to some who have been divorced. And I want to clarify something for you. I did not say if you don't have a family, you do not have a purpose. Because that's not the case at all. In fact, let's, let's go over to the New Testament and see what God says about this in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is dealing with issues of things such as divorce and remarriage and remaining single and things of that nature. And I want you to notice in verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32, it says, But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried, careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And this is an admonition that it talks to men. And by the way, young men who are here, this is something you need to consider. If you remain unmarried, there may be things that God can use you to do in life that you wouldn't be able to do if you were married. Consider that. He hasn't necessarily designed every person to be married. But he says the same thing to women. And sometimes, sometimes Bible-believing Christians get this reputation as though we think that a woman's only value is within the home. That's not the case at all. Look what, look what the Bible says here, verse 34. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. 
The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction." And so here, this is actually speaking to ladies who are not married and, and widows and those who've been divorced and things of that nature. And he's saying, hey, you really ought to consider remaining in the, in the place that you are because this is an opportunity for you to give yourself more wholly to serving the Lord and be committed to Him. And we actually find examples of this in Scripture. For instance, uh, uh, Luke chapter 2, we find Jesus going into the temple with His parents as a little baby and there's a woman there by the name of Anna. She's a prophetess. And the Bible says that she was a widow serving God day and night with fastings and prayer. She, she had dedicated herself to serving the Lord. And another one I want to show you since we're so close. Let's go back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 9. And we're going to look at uh, a situation where Peter comes across a woman uh, that the Bible doesn't tell us that she was married or anything like that. And notice it says, Acts 9, verse 36, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber, and for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and Turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And so here you have this situation where there was this woman. It doesn't tell us much about her, but it doesn't describe her family. It doesn't describe her husband. She may have just been a single woman. She may have been a widow. But for whatever it was, she was a prominent woman within the church. She was known as a disciple. She was one who had given herself to serving the Lord. Uh, she was uh, reaching out to those who were in need and, 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 and were poor. She was uh, full of good works and alms deeds, it says, to the point where she died and all of the other ladies around her are, I, I can just imagine because I've been in situations like this as a pastor, you go to make a, a visit for someone who's just passed away and, and the family and friends, they just want to sit there and show you pictures and, 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 and share memories with you of this person. And, and all these other ladies who were around, they were showing him things that she had made and things that she had done because she had a testimony and a reputation of serving the Lord. And she made an impact and she made a difference in her church and, and, and among other disciples. And so I am not saying by any means that if you are not married, ladies, that you don't have a purpose and you don't have a place. That's not at all what I'm saying. Because God can use you and He can use you to do great things for Him. But what I am saying is that primarily speaking, God has created women 
with a propensity and an ability to serve the Lord within their own home, within their own family. And I want to say to all of the mothers out there, because we've got quite a few young mothers with young children at home, and maybe you're still in the stages of changing diapers and, and dealing with all of that, and you spend your days wiping noses and putting bandages on scraped knees, or maybe you're at the stage of uh, homeschooling, you're teaching your kids, or you're putting them through school somewhere and trying to help with homework and running between soccer matches or baseball games or whatever. Wherever you are in life, sometimes, ladies, you can begin to feel like, boy, I wish that I had more opportunities to serve the Lord, but my whole life is wrapped up in caring for my kids and my family, and I want you to know you are serving the Lord where you are. That is a purpose that God has given to you, and you have the opportunity to raise the next generation. Amen. It's been said before very, very wisely that the, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And you have the opportunity to invest moment by moment, hour by hour, in the next generation of servants for the Lord. And I can look at my life and I can point to men who God has greatly used in my life. I think of my father, I think of my grandfather and some of my uncles who are great examples for me. I can think of people that God used in my life, but I don't know that I can look at them and say that they necessarily had a greater impact than my mother and my grandmother. My grandmother on my mom's side was a Christian lady. She got saved uh, early on in her marriage and raising kids and spent the better part of 60 years praying for my grandpa to come to Christ. But she would, I remember as a, as a child, I remember grandma watching us and she had these, she forced us to memorize scripture. A lot of the scripture I know today, I, I, I learned under my grandma's teaching. I remember during our summer vacations where she would have these two-hour-long devotions with my sister and I and our cousins. And, oh, man, at the time, it was just like, come on. It, you know, we want to be outside. We want to be playing and all of this. But I want you to know that that woman has had more of an impact in my life than most. God's used her. I remember my grandmother. I still, I still remember this old red Bible that she had. I remember her sitting in her chair for hours reading her Bible. I remember seeing her pray. And as she would pray in her chair, tears would stream down her face and drip onto the pages of her Bible. I can still see it. I can still visualize it in my mind as she prayed for her children, her grandchildren, her husband to come to Christ. I, I just know that God has used her in my life. And I, I look out at where you are, ladies, and sometimes I know the days are long and it seems like these years are never going to end. But I want you to know you have a very important role and purpose. And God has put you in the place that you are. and You are serving Him by trying to raise your children for the Lord. By helping and assisting your husband and holding him up and, and, and praying for him and serving him. I know, again, I know that that's not politically correct to say I'm not saying that you're a slave. I'm not saying that you're a servant. And, and any husband, guys, that would treat his wife as though she is his slave or his servant is not the husband that he ought to be. Amen. But ladies, you have an opportunity to serve in your home 
And by serving your husband and serving your children, you're actually serving the Lord. I want to encourage you to be faithful in that and realize that God has created you to do that. And it is okay to do that in your life and to give your life to that cause. Secondly, I want to talk to you about your value as a lady. Not just your purpose and your role, but I want to talk to you about your value. We were in Proverbs 31 a moment ago. I'm going to go back there. And I, and I just want to show you this, this statement because, uh, again, sometimes there's this perception that as we talk about the differences in roles between men and women, there's this perception that it's chauvinistic to think that ladies are different or ought to be uh, in the home and keepers at home and, and as though we place a higher value on men than we do on ladies. But I want you to look at verse number 10 of Proverbs 31. And, and, and this question is asked. It says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Amen. In other words, there is, you are of greater value than great riches, ladies. You are of great value. God has made you very, very special. And when we talk about femininity, what we're talking about is a spirit and an attitude that is becoming, that is fitting of that which God uh, has, has put within you. We're talking about clothing yourself uh, with, with a spirit that is pleasing to the Lord and that is appropriate uh, for the value that God has created you with. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 22 says it this way, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman that is without discretion. That's a, a, a really interesting way of putting it, but isn't it interesting that you picture a jewel of gold, a very valuable maybe an earring, and rather than putting it in a, in a jewelry box or storing it in a safe where it's, where it's valued, you take it out to the hog pen and you put it in the nose of a, of a pig. That gold is just, just as valuable, but it's not being treated as valuable. And the truth is, where I started tonight, this concept of losing the concept of femininity, it's as though we are taking something that God has created of, that is of great value and great honor and we're dragging it through the mud. Amen. That's sad. I want you to know, ladies, the concept, of much of what is said to be women's empowerment is actually not. The most empowering thing for you is to embrace what God has created you to be and to carry it well. Amen. To do so with dignity and honor and respectability. And, and, and young ladies, let me tell you this. Again, it doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter what society says. This is the way that we are wired. Men, maybe, maybe let me rephrase this. Respectable men will respect you more if you carry your, yourself with femininity. You don't need to go out and try to be a man and do everything a man can do. That, that's such backwards thinking. It's so foolish. You don't, you don't need to try and do what, what we can do. 
There are things that men can do better than ladies. And there is nothing that will change that. And by the way, there are a lot of things that you ladies can do that we can't do well. And nothing will ever change that. No matter what we do, no matter how much we try to rewire and retrain, there are just differences between us. And God has actually made us to have greater respect for one another when we carry well that which God has designed us to be. When we live it out in an honorable and respectable way. I know we're doing a lot of turning tonight, but I want to invite you back to the New Testament over to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter 3. And it says here in verse number 1, 1 Peter 3, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. What, what is he saying? Ladies, the best way for you to win the heart of your husband is, is not for you to go out and to be boisterous and loud and controlling. The best way for you to do that is to set an example and to be a testimony for him as one who is humble, meek, and quiet in spirit. By the way, that doesn't mean that you're always quiet in volume. Some people have this idea, well, you know, I mean, the Bible says that women always have to be silent. They can't ever speak. Listen, if you've met my wife, you know, what are you laughing at? She's listening. I know. I'm going to hear it when I get home. <laughs> She's not always quiet. She's not always, uh, you know, this, this, this picture of this, this, you know, meek, timid person who just sits in the corner quietly. She's, she's spirited. By the way, I like that about her. But she's not overbearing. She's humble. She follows the leadership of her husband. And there is a meek and quiet spirit about her. And so this concept of having a meek and quiet spirit doesn't mean that you're always silent or anything like that. It just simply means there is something about your spirit and your attitude that says that, that it, notice, notice what it says in verse number three, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. In other words, your, you do not make yourself more attractive by the amount of makeup you wear or the jewelry that you have or the way that you dress or the way you wear your hair. What is attractive is when a woman embraces what God has made her to be and carries it with dignity and class 
and meekness and humility, and that is the best makeup that you can wear. Now, this is not a condemnation. It's not saying that you're in sin if you wear makeup or if you put on jewelry or, or you put your hair a certain way. That's not at all what this is saying. In fact, I mean, I kind of am thankful for, you know, cosmetics and, and things that just, you know, dress, dress things up a little bit, right? I'm not against that at all. <laughs> I know, I'm going to get in so much trouble. But here's the thing. These are all good things. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, that's not what makes a woman attractive. That's, that's what he's saying. What makes a woman attractive is that she embraces the role that God has given. She, she has this chaste conversation. She's, she's pure. She's humble. She's meek. It's not that which is on the outside that makes her beautiful. It's that which comes from within. This ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. And so she's valuable. God wants you. Listen, your value has nothing to do with the outside. I, I think it's, it's tragic and it's sad that we have convinced ladies that if they are physically in appearance more attractive, they're of greater value. This is just wrong. This is wrong. It's, it's not the, the outside that matters. It's, it's the, the hidden man of the heart, the Bible says. Notice also, it says that there is to be this, this adorning, right? Uh, verse number, uh, let's see, verse number, I'm sorry, two. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, let it, uh, who's, ad who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. It's not that which is on the outside. In fact, the Bible also tells, tells us that ladies are to adorn themselves in modest apparel. And modesty doesn't have to do just with the specifics of clothing. It doesn't just have to do with how long your skirt is or how high your neckline is or how tight or loose your clothing is. It has to do with a, an attitude that is not seeking to draw attention to the outside. That's a very shallow approach to life. And God wants us to be modest. And so... Ladies are of great value. Virtuous ladies are of, of tremendous value to the Lord, to the world, to their husbands, to their children. They are of tremendous value, but we ought to make sure that that is being carried in such a way that honors the way that God has made you. Don't try to undo what God has done in your life. Don't try to change that. Be what God has made you to be. I want to also just point out that this virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 that we read, this woman was not, not one who, um, you know, some people say, well, you know, it's, it's wrong, or the Bible says it's wrong for a woman to work. Listen, did you read Proverbs 31? <laughs> that was, sounded like a lot of work. 
This woman was up before the sun. She was, she, she was burning the candle late at night, working, laboring to provide the needs of her family. She was taking goods to the market. She was selling them. She was uh, purchasing a field. She was planting a vineyard. She was working. She was laboring. But again, it was being accomplished within the, the, the context of serving her family. And, and folks, I understand that sometimes, you know, just the way that, that things are in, in the world, there are families where both husband and wife have to work outside of the home, and, and I understand that, and I, I, I respect that. But I want you to know, even if you have to work outside the home, your primary role is at home. And you, you need to be diligent to make sure that your children uh, have the, the mom that they need, that your husband has the wife that he needs. Because this is, this is part of what God created you to do. We ought to be diligent to fulfill the role that God has given. And so tonight, as we consider just some of these principles, and, and again, we're laying a foundation for this study on the home and the family and how things are to function... I just want to encourage all of us, and even based on things said last week, men, be men. Be men. God didn't make you to be a woman. Be a man. Ladies, be a lady. God didn't make you to be a man. Embrace the role that God has given. Embrace His purpose for your life. And in doing so, we'll be able to accomplish the roles that he's given us in the home and the family a whole lot better. All right? Let's pray.